It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and you can text our WhatsApp the show to 0862-103-103 and I can already see uh, some texts uh, coming in, mainly actually the ones that I've just read over there are to do with vaccinations and one is to do with vaccination at the pharmacies and we are going to have a member of the Irish Pharmacy Union join us on the programme later on this morning. So if you do have any questions about the pharmacists who are now from this week getting involved with the vaccination programme. In fairness to our chemist shops and our, our pharmacists, they have been ready, willing and chomping at the bit trying to get involved in the rollout of the vaccination because the majority of our pharmacies have been heavily involved with vaccinations when it comes to the flu vaccines. They've been very successfully administering the flu jabs and many people went to the local pharmacy and go to their local pharmacy every year to get their flu jab. And many people feel comfortable because they know the pharmacist and they, there's also the added advantage that it's close to you. And, you know, we all live, I think isn't there a statistic that we all live within five kilometres of a, a pharmacy, no matter where we are in the, in the country. So if rather than having to travel to, say, to one of the vaccination centres, people find it easier if they could just pop into their pharmacy in order to get their COVID vaccine. So from this week, pharmacists. Now, it isn't every pharmacy, so you're going to have to check in to see if your local pharmacy is involved or not. But there's only a certain cohort of people can go to the pharmacy in order to get the vaccine. So we're trying to clear up some of the concerns people have and some of the misconceptions people have. And also, we don't want our pharmacies flooded with people, say younger people who think, oh, I'll go to my pharmacy and get my injection because obviously at the moment they, they can't. I think the cutoff is anybody over the age of 50. But we've heard from a number of people in their 60s, like summed up by Con and Skibreen who sent in a text saying, Patricia, I'm over 60. I've received my first dose of AstraZeneca, but God only knows when I'll be able to get my second dose. I had a text yesterday from my local chemist offering me the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is a one dose. Should I take it or not? Now, that's that's a really good question, Con, that I'll put to the member of the Irish Pharmacy Union 
when we do our interview later on in the programme. As far as I know, you can't. Once you've had your first AstraZeneca, you've got to wait then to be called back for your second AstraZeneca and you'll already be in the system in that that's why we give our PPS number so that they'll know, the pharmacist will know that you've already had your first AstraZeneca and the advice so far hasn't been to give a Johnson & Johnson as a second dose for the AstraZeneca. So as far as I know, you, you... kind and all as it was at the pharmacist uh, to offer you a dose you won't be able to go to the pharmacy to get one but I'll double check it for you Con uh, a little bit uh, later on and then Louise is says I'm wondering if any of your listeners who are in their early 40s I'm a 42 year old don't have any underlying health condition have any of them been vaccinated or has anybody in their early 40s been offered a date for vaccination I registered on the 3rd of June I've heard nothing which could be normal but I just wanted to check in please. I'm living in uh, Carrick Navarre. Thanking you, says Louise. From certainly what I've heard and what I've seen and when I was at the vaccination centre on Sunday, there was a number of people in their 40s, but they seemed to have been in the 45 to 49 cohort because they would have registered probably five to seven days before the people in the 40 to 40. Four, uh, age group and certainly there's a number of people in their late 40s starting to get uh, calls but let's put a shout out anybody between 40 and 44 which would have been the second group in their 40s to have registered they would have registered later have any of them been called yet to a vaccinate and it is to a vaccination centre that you will be called has anyone been called yet or even have you had a date have you got a date for your vaccine uh, you're right in that it is probably very normal because if it's where we at the 15th and you registered on the 3rd so you registered 12 days ago generally speaking what it has been for those in their 50s and 60s most people waited about two weeks and somewhere between the second and the third week between when you registered you'll get the you'll get a text message to say and usually the text message comes anything from 5 days away from when your vaccination date is right up to we heard of people who got a text message on a Friday to say they got their vaccination on Saturday. I know for me I got my first text on a Thursday to say that my vaccination was that following Saturday. That was a month ago and then last week I got a text on Tuesday to say that my second vaccination was due on a Sunday and somebody else was saying "Eh, Patricia you mentioned yesterday that you got your second jab on Sunday. How did you feel yesterday? Well and how did you feel after it? Well when I got the when I got my first dose, when I got my second dose on Sunday I did the usual. I took the advice. I took my Panadol and I took it sort of, I took a Panadol before I went, got my injection when I came home but six hours later took another two Panadol and then I took two Panadol before I went to bed. Absolutely fine. Was, was perfect. Yesterday morning then just airing on the side of caution coming into work took another two Panadol just to be on the safe side and then I was fine throughout the day. But at about six o'clock yesterday evening I got this unmerciful wave of tiredness. It was just I don't think I've now, and I didn't get this after the first shot and I, all I was putting it down to was the vaccination. Now I know I'd been off last week so I'd been, you know, lots of lions and yesterday morning was my, you know, getting up at 5.45 yesterday morning when the alarm went off thinking, oh God, you know, but up I got and I don't have any problems getting out of bed. In the, I hate the thought of it but I have no problem getting out of bed in, in the morning. I have a tendency to be a morning person. So I was up in the shower, you know, and, and doing my bits and bobs and everything that needed to be done and then came into work and did my normal days working, wasn't overdoing it in, in any way. But I just got this, an un, I, as I say, an unmerciful wave of tiredness. 
nothing was going to help me except taking to my bed. I even tried to do a power nap. I'm a great believer if you do get tired in having that 20 minute power nap. Now it can't be any longer than 20 minutes because if it goes on any longer than 20 minutes you go into a deep sleep and then you wake up groggy and I think you're even worse. But I tried the power nap but no, it just wasn't working. So 8 o'clock I, I headed up to bed and I would say within 10 minutes I was fast asleep and slept right through till this morning. So that's the only thing I can say by way of a side effect to the vaccine. Is my arm sore? If I press on it, if I press on where the injection went in, but I have to look around to try and find it. There it is. But that's it. Just very, very slightly tender. But I don't have any of the issues that I've heard of other people having where they had difficulty for a day or two lifting their arm. If they lifted their arm was sore. I, I can't say that I've had uh, anything uh, like, like that. But again, it differs from one person to the other person. Certainly after I had my first vaccination a month ago, I can hand on our heart say I didn't have any side effects. Again, other than where the injection went in, if I pressed on it, it was a little bit tender, similar to the way it would be after getting a flu jab. So, as I say, everyone, everyone is very different. OK, some people texting in responding to Kat, to Louise, who is the 42-year-old, registered on the 3rd of June and is just wondering, has anybody in the early 40s either received a vaccination or got a date for a vaccination? A couple of people have been on. Hi, Patricia. I got my first vaccine last Wednesday in Mallow. I'm 43. OK, there's somebody done. Well done. And hi, my daughter and my son-in-law got their first injection last Saturday in Ahamilla in Clonakilty and they are just over 40. So they have started in the early 40s. So I would take it from that, Louise, you should be due in the next couple of days to receive a text message with the date and the time and the vaccination centre that you were going to be called to. And no, again, we had a lot of texts in on this yesterday. We still don't have any indication when people in their 30s will be able to register. We are expecting that that's going to happen sometime this week, but they haven't given us the date yet, yet as to when people in their 30s can start to vaccinate. But yes, it will be the very same as it was for people in their 60s, people in their 50s, people in their 40s. It'll be the 39-year-olds will be the, the first on day one and then it'll work backwards and they'll do 35 to 39-year-olds. They normally take a couple of days break and then they look for the 30 to 34 year olds to register. But we don't have a date on that uh, yet. Councillor Paul Hayes. Thank you, Paul. Says, Hi, Patricia. I registered on the 1st of June. I got my notification text on the 3rd and I got my first Pfizer jab on the 6th of June. I'm a 43 year old. I have got to say that's superly efficient and it's got to be the quickest I've ever heard of anybody from registering on the 1st of June, text message on the 3rd and first Pfizer jab on the 6th. Go you, Paul. Well done. Hi, Patricia. I got my second vaccine in Limerick Racecourse on Sunday. So well organised. Absolutely no queues in and out. They are doing a great job there. Yeah, and that's been replicated everywhere in and out it's just it's a fantastic system hi my son got his first vaccination last thursday he will have his 41st birthday next week and friends of his the same age also got theirs this is in bantry i love your program thank you for that so they are very much getting through the early 40s thank you i think louise just wanted to get some indication as to when she can expect to get her dose And for the people 
It seems there's about 400,000 people who are waiting for a second dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. They now have been told that they shouldn't even consider travelling abroad. That's if any of them were planning on travelling abroad when we are allowed to, when we get the the EU digital cert. The vaccine bonus for those who are a month on their first AstraZeneca jab, we're now being told it does not involve foreign travel. And this is the latest advice coming from the HSE. Now, these 400,000 people in the main, they're people in their 60s, but they're also people with, there's a significant number of them with underlying conditions because it was people in cohort four and cohort seven. A huge number of them were given their first AstraZeneca shot and they all now have been waiting, of course, for the second dose of the vaccine. And initially when they got their dose, they were told they'd be waiting 12 weeks. We're now told that it can be, it's going to be from eight weeks, but many of them, it'll be more than eight weeks. Many will be waiting the 12 weeks, if not more, because at one stage, AstraZeneca went out to 16 uh, weeks. They can avail of the vaccine bonus with one dose of AstraZeneca. When they get to 28 days, they're allowed, for example, they can meet up with others who are vaccinated indoors. They don't need to wear masks. They have all the vaccine bonuses as if they were fully vaccinated, but of course they're still waiting on a second dose But they've now been told that the vaccine bonus for one dose of AstraZeneca does not include foreign travel. Now, the EU digital cert, which is paving the way for foreign travel within the EU, that's due to come into operation in this this country from the 19th of July. It'll come into operation from the 1st of July across Europe, but we here in Ireland have decided not to introduce it until the 19th of July. Now, what's interesting is the HSC hasn't specified the same travel restriction for people who receive one dose of the other vaccine, but they are particularly saying it about people who got the first dose of AstraZeneca. Public Health England, they've previously found that one dose of the vaccine gives just 33% protection against the infectious Delta virus. This is the one that originated in uh, India. But the really good news is that when people get the second of your vaccines, be that Pfizer are indeed AstraZeneca. For Pfizer, you're 96% protected against the Indian variant. But AstraZeneca, you're 92% protected. But you need to get the second jab. And there are a lot of people feeling almost like they've been left behind and they're feeling a little bit like they are in limbo. And a lot of people with the AstraZeneca are saying, please just give us our second dose so that we can bring our protection from the, this Delta strain up to 92%. And of course, there is concern in this country about the Delta variant. Now, we still have very low numbers. We have 140 cases so far have been identified here. Our case numbers yesterday overall were 242, but we don't have the breakdown how many of those would have been Delta variants or not. It's so far, there's been 140 cases identified. But if you look across the water in Britain, they are really having a problem with this Delta variant of their cases. Now, 90% are the Delta uh, strain and because of that Boris Johnson yesterday addressing his people uh, on the lifting of the remaining restrictions they've now delayed it they were to lift all of their remaining restrictions on the 21st of June which have meant, would have meant no more mask wearing social distancing would have been gone crowds back inside there would have been no limiting on the numbers 
and everything was was heading towards that because of the huge numbers of people who have been vaccinated. But then they got in the Delta strain into Britain and they realised that the huge number of people in England had only received either one dose of Pfizer or one dose of AstraZeneca. And because of that, they have had to put their reopening, their full reopening on hold. And there is this massive push in Britain to give... AstraZeneca to give the second shot of AstraZeneca. So they're buying themselves time by waiting a a month. Now, there are no indications yet that the next step on our roadmap out of a lockdown, which will be the return of indoor dining in pubs and restaurants, that's due to start in early July. No indication yet that that will be deferred. But we do know that Neffert will meet next week. They'll do the final recommendation on whether we can continue as the plan is to move indoor for indoor dining they'll make the recommendation then to the cabinet and then the cabinet will sign off on it now at this stage there isn't any indications that they're not going to go ahead with that but I suppose all eyes are are on what will happen with this Delta strain and on how much if more of this Delta strain gets imported into the country out of the 140 cases if more of that uh, spreads. Luke O'Neill is the Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College, the guy who always seems to be smiling and always tries to put a positive spin on any of these stories. He is advising people, if you've only had one dose of AstraZeneca, he's saying you must take care. He said, we know from the UK that one shot of AstraZeneca is not giving the same level of protection from the Delta variant as the two shots do. So he is saying that anyone who's had the AstraZeneca to take all of the precautions, you know, the wearing a mask, social distancing, avoiding large crowds and do that until you get the second dose. He said we're lucky in that there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of the Delta variant around, at least currently. He said the goal has to be, though, to get that second shot into vulnerable people and also into the people over 60 and to get it into them as quickly as possible. And a new study yesterday says the Delta variant was associated with around double the risk of hospitalisation compared with the Alpha. Now, the Alpha variant was the very first one, the Wuhan one. So double the amount of hospitalisation. So I know there are a lot of people who are just very worried about this Delta strain and worried about the fact that they only have the one jab so far of AstraZeneca and desperate to get the second even though we did hear yesterday when we put the shout out to people who have been waiting over eight weeks and wondering would they have to wait the 12 weeks and we did hear from a number of people saying no that they were getting text messages in and calls in to say they were being called for their second one before the 12 weeks so but it is going to take time we certainly are not there will be a number of people who will go over the eight weeks from when they got their first dose to when they get their second one and of course the big one is if we can keep the Delta variant, if we can keep the cases at 140 and stop importing them because of what we know is going on in the UK and because we know 90% of the cases in the UK are now the Delta variant of COVID-19, we really need to be very careful about people travelling over and back between Ireland and the UK. And we know this morning the Cabinet are meeting and we know that the Taoiseach, along with the government, they are continuing to monitor the Delta variant. And one thing that they are looking at is tighter travel restrictions between Ireland and the UK. The Taoiseach said that they will be, there will be a strengthening of the situation in relation to travel. He was speaking on his way into the Cabinet meeting this morning and he said the broader picture is that the variant has increased in prevalence in the United Kingdom. He said, I 
I think it makes sense that we continue to monitor this, which we will take public health advice as we move along. But as far as reopening, it's gone well in Ireland so far and we don't want to ruin that and we certainly don't want to to have to take one step backwards. So they are looking at the self-isolation period of increasing the self-isolation period at the moment. People who travel from the UK must self-isolate for five days. They're looking at increasing that to uh, 10. So uh, we'll keep an eye on if anything breaks on that story. We'll bring it to you this morning. Thank you, Dee in Goleen, uh, who said I got my first AstraZeneca jab on April 2nd. Just had an appointment for my second jab on Sunday. I am very happy. Bantry Hospital is wonderful, says Dee in Goleen. Well done. So people on AstraZeneca on their first jab certainly are starting to get callbacks for their second, which is good news. Now, I've been asked to announce that the Dursey cable car is closed for maintenance today. Locals are being accommodated this morning and they'll be obviously accommodated again uh, later on after 5pm. But for everybody else, closed today for maintenance. That's Dursey Cable Car. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, the mother of a little boy who tragically drowned while on a family holiday in Spain in 2019 says he is the inspiration behind a national water safety programme aimed at preschool children. Amanda Cambridge, who lives in Mallow, joins me to discuss the Hold Hands programme and to remember her little boy, Avery. Good morning to you, Amanda. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. And firstly, I suppose, how are you doing? I mean, one never gets over the loss of a child, especially in such tragic circumstances. How are you and the family doing? We're good. Uh, you know, we, we take we take one day, one day at a time. Um, you know, always remembering him, always talking about him. Every day, every day is different. We have our good days, we have our bad days. Um, now, it, it's his anniversary, we're coming up to two years. Um, it has, I must say, it has gotten easier. Uh, you know, um, our sad days are few, but they, you know, they are there. Um, but this kind of has brought a smile to our face and, um, you know, it's a lovely tribute and it's a little legacy for him and, we just hope he's proud and and he'll all, so yeah and he'll always be remembered in it. It's it it is a beautiful legacy and and well done, well done. I mean, Avery was was three. He was close to his his uh, fourth uh, birthday. Was he describe him to us? Was he your typical little boy, full of adventure and so typical, uh, complete boy. Loved his carriage, his tractors. You know, always dirty, <laughs> always. You know. <laughs> You know, he, he he was he was a boy. He was curious. He loved being in and out of things and what things were, and um, yeah, constantly asking questions. And um, the yeah, just your your typical three year old wouldn't let me brush his hair, and he, you know he lovely long blonde hair wouldn't let me brush the hair, and um, yeah, just your typical average. And lo- and like little boys and little girls of that age, loved water. Absolutely adored water. Uh, there, you know, his two sisters were avid swimmers. Uh, you know, they used to go every weekend, and we went to Spain every year. So we, um, 
would bring him to the water as much as we can. And like every other child, you know, he grew to love it. Um, loved the, the paddling pools, loved the puddles, loved ponds, the lakes, anything to do with water, getting wet. Loved, you know, the his armbands, his swimsuits. Um, and yeah, it's just really, it, it's heartbreaking that he actually died doing what he loved. Yeah, and of course, at that age, he would have been swimming around with armbands. But that morning, of course, little ones don't think of it's the armbands are keeping me afloat there. That's it. He had um, uh, like a sense of security with the armbands on. When I go, go into the water, I float. I'm fine. Uh, you know, there's always a responsible adult there. But when he went down on the 12th of August, he he just went in and he had no life jacket on, he had no armbands on and unfortunately we had the outcome that we did, you know, we weren't one of those lucky families that had, you know, a near escape. Um, Avery died on the 12th of August and was taken by water. And that's where the, where, so then you've teamed up with the Irish Water Safety and this is the Hold Hands programme. I mean, and I'm tell me about it. And it's to, it's to try to get the message to little ones that they need to be holding somebody's hands. So therefore, you never should be in the water on your own. Yeah, definitely. Irish Water have absolutely backed us all the way. Um, you know, geez, we wouldn't have been able to do this without without their input. Uh, basically, that we want the uh, the preschools and the creches to, you know, get the message across to the children with the storyboards we have provided them with is that drowning just doesn't happen in a pool uh, or a community pool. It can happen at home. It can happen in the bath. It can happen in a bucket, a lake, a park. You know, it can happen anywhere. So we have illustrated six storyboards. Very eye-catching for them. Uh, you know, they're going to be able to relate with any of the children that they see in front of them. And everything is uh, child-friendly, child-orientated, and it's just about safety. You know, children of that age, if they're walking up the stairs, they'll ask you, you know, will you hold my hand if we're crossing the road? Mm. They will more than likely ask you, will you hold my hand? If they're jumping off a bed, hold my hand. So that's um, that's the message we want to get across is that, you know, enjoy the water, love the water, have fun, but be safe, know your limits and just come back as, come back as a family. Yeah, because you had that difficult task of you went out as a family and you came back with one child that's in the hold yes. of the plane. Devastating. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, that. I, I kind of, oh, I, I always think of that as that. I did. I went out oblivious. Um, you know, I had my my family. I had my children, and then coming home, I, you know, we were absolutely just devastated. Our family was broken. Our family, you know, um, was never going to be the same again because he was such a big part of our family. He was our only boy. Um. And he was our he was our youngest, he was our baby. Uh so this this is kind of why we have geared it for the three to five year olds because 
that 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 is the age unfortunately that they are drowning at. It is three to, to five five year old boys and girls. Um and, and it's uh, funny, I when, when you say you know the drowning, it doesn't, it doesn't know. It's not always in a pool. It's not always in in the sea. I was actually thinking of you and your family at the weekend when I heard of that little toddler who drowned in the paddling pool in in Roscommon. You know, oh, it's, I know. It, and I imagine when stories like that happens, Amanda, it, it must bring it back to you because you know what that family are going through. Oh, I'm actually getting emotional about it now because. Anytime I hear a story like that, even there was um, a child in Dubai, there was a child in Spain at Christmas, and I just cry. I cry all day because, and I, I don't cry for, I don't cry for me, I don't cry for Avery, I cry for them because I know exactly what, how they feel, I know exactly what they're going through, and I know exactly what's to come. Like, they, they don't know what, what's to come. But um, unfortunately, I do, and I, you know, my heart absolutely goes out. Like, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing anyone can say at, you know, at this time to to make them feel better, because their world has has absolutely broken, you know. And it'll just take time. And I promise them that they they will smile again and they will find happiness again. And it, it does it does get easier but you do have those days where um where where you still look back and you, you just think oh my god like what 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 happened? Has that happened? Happen. Yeah. Yeah. You you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, yeah. You, you really wouldn't. And it was your your immediate family and close friends, Amanda, that got you through. It was. It was. Um Leanne Mavely from Crosshaven, you know, she was there with me on the day. We actually had been for dinner the night before and she has been with me the whole way through. You know, she's part of this Hold Hands um, campaign and, um, yeah, she's been with me from the start and she's here with me right up, right, right well up done. until then. Well done, And that's well what done. you need. You need support. You, you need your, you need your um, support around you. Um, you know, to get you through times like this, and you know, it takes a village. It takes, a, it, you know, it takes a community um, to to get you through things like this. And when you when you need your alone time, you know, take your alone time. But um, yeah, that that's that's hold hands, and we're so proud. We're so proud to be part of it. And and the hope want- is that through this program, um, hold hands, that no other family will have to go through what you and other families have, have already gone through. Lives can the, be saved. Most definitely, you know, that that's what this is about. This is about saving lives and teaching and I suppose instilling water safety at an early age because it's never too late to to learn new things. It is a life skill. I, I think it's just as important as reading and writing you know, they can pass it down to their children because I know so many parents and friends that can't swim and then their children can't swim. Um, so I just think it's so, so important, especially that we are surrounded by water. Water is everywhere. It, it doesn't pick and choose. It takes no prisoners and it can happen to anyone. 
You are in, an incredibly brave woman and you know something, Avery is very proud of you and he's no doubt smiling down at you and saying, well done, uh, mom. You're, you're just, you're, you're incredible. You're, you're incredible. Uh, so keep a lookout for that. Uh, hold hands. It's the Irish Water Safety. It's early warning and uh, care. Uh, we wish you continued good luck in the future, Amanda, and the best of luck with this project. But thanks a million for joining us and talking to us this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much and thanks for taking the time to talk and Our pleasure. Our pleasure. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Amanda Cambridge. What a great woman. What a great woman. It's just, as I say, nobody... Nobody should be asked to go through that, to have to bury a child. Whenever I hear of any child dying, no matter what age, it just it goes against nature, doesn't it, to bury your young. But to go away on a fantastic family holiday and the excitement of going to Spain and the swimming pool and all the children going to have fun and to have to lose one of your children on a holiday like that, it just doesn't bear thinking about. So well done to Amanda and everybody involved with Irish Water Safety. And no doubt if you have a smallie in the house, keep a lookout for that, the Hold Hands uh, campaign. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Yesterday we spoke about Christian Eriksson from Denmark who collapsed on a soccer pitch on Saturday during his team's Euro 2020 opening match against Finland. Thankfully, due to the quick response of his teammates and medical staff, he has recovered from the cardiac arrest and continues to undergo detailed examinations while in hospital. To discuss the importance of awareness around cardiac conditions in young people, I'm joined by Dr Deirdre Ward who is a consultant cardiologist and she's with the organisation CRY which is Cardiac Risk in the Young. Good morning to you Deirdre. Good morning Patricia. And and you're welcome. The way Christian Eriksson collapsed, how common is that? Um, well, in young people, it's it's fairly uncommon. Um, so uh, in people under the age of 35, it happens in about three per 100,000 of the population. Um, and so that that is very small. It's much more common in older people because uh, heart attacks are can cause this. So it, it certainly would be much more common in the over 65s. Um, but it does happen in young people and unfortunately very often the outcome isn't as good as it was for Christian Eriksson. So we know that um, somewhere between 80 and 120 people under the age of 35 will actually die of sudden cardiac death in Ireland every year. And no warning signs? Often not. I mean, sometimes it's hard to determine that absolutely. Um, Sometimes people will have had previous uh, symptoms such as unexplained blackouts or uh, significant dizziness or severe palpitations, racing of the heart for no particular reason. Sometimes people are limited in their exercise capacity because of heart muscle conditions. Um, but sometimes people don't appear to have a warning. And unfortunately, sometimes you can have an underlying condition and it doesn't affect your function unless your heart rhythm is suddenly disturbed and becomes chaotic. And that can unfortunately be uh, fatal in the first instance. And I mean, Christian Eriksson, he's 29, a full-time soccer player, so, you know, extremely fit. Could the, could his workload and his workload as a soccer player, could that be anything to do with it? Not usually if you have a normal heart. So if you don't have a pre-existing condition, you shouldn't be able to exercise yourself into cardiac arrest. But if you have an underlying condition, exercise will increase the chances 
through uh, sort of relative oxygen deprivation um, and also sometimes through becoming overheated, dehydrated, uh, the salts or electrolytes in your system being deranged by the high level exercise and sweating and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it, it certainly is increased with exercise, um, but the exercise on its own shouldn't be an issue. It, it's usually if you have an underlying condition. So how can somebody find out if they're at risk of this? I mean, talk to me about the type of screening that's available for these cardiac conditions. Well, it, it sort of depends on your prior risk. So it, a lot of the conditions we deal with inherited cardiac conditions. So if somebody in the family has suffered a sudden cardiac arrest or a sudden cardiac death, then you uh, you may have a one in two chance of also being affected because it may be inherited. About 50% of the people who have sudden cardiac death in the young will have a genetic condition. Um, so if you have a family history of this, then you may be at high risk. And that's the kind of uh, evaluation that we would provide for people who are very high risk. For the general population, if you have no family history, then the risk of these conditions is relatively low. I suppose the most common condition that we would see is a thing called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, where the heart muscle grows thicker than normal. And about one in 500 of the population carry a gene for this condition. But some of the other conditions um, that we would look for, electrical conditions, are even rarer. Uh, long QT syndrome is probably the commonest electrical condition and about one in 2,000 of the population have that. So if you don't have a family history and it's certainly worth people you know, chatting among the family and discussing whether or not uh, there have been events in the family even going back a few generations. If you don't have a family history, your risk may be small but for most Sporting activities, when they're played at a high level now, they are usually asked to at least fill in a questionnaire to say um, if they have any symptoms uh, that limit their ability to play sport or if they've had severe palpitations or dizziness or unexplained blackouts. And if they have had any of those, then they're usually recommended to go for at least a resting ECG. So that will give us information about the electrical system in the heart and it, it is often abnormal if they've heart muscle problems as well. Um, and then if that's abnormal, people go on to have further testing with an echocardiogram or ultrasound of the heart and then sometimes electrical or exercise testing or, and when wearing a heart rhythm monitor for 24 or 48 hours. And then is treatment available for, for people who would get diagnosed with something? Yes, so there yeah. are treatments available. I mean, none of the, the genetic conditions are currently curable. That may change in the future. But generally, if we identify somebody as being affected, we can take uh, measures to protect them against the complications. So in the simplest form, that is sometimes taking medication and avoiding medication that can actually significantly increase your risk of developing rhythm problems. And at the most extreme case, if we think that even the sort of the medication and, and lifestyle changes don't suitably reduce somebody's risk, we do use implantable defibrillators. Okay. Um, and these are, you know, an internal device that monitors the heart rhythm. And if you have, if you do develop the, the life-threatening chaotic heart rhythm, it will recognise it and, and treat it potentially within 20 seconds. Okay. And when you mentioned defibrillator, it was a defibrillator that saved this young man's uh, life. Do we have enough defibrillators in this country? We probably don't know how many we have. I mean, we're, we're better at recording and linking them to the ambulance service. And that would be the ideal is to have a register of where they are, who has them, how accessible they are, and are they all up to date? 
Um, so a, a lot of communities over the last 10 or 15 years have fundraised and got defibrillators into sports pitches, into public locations, um, uh, into schools. So there certainly are a lot of them around and it definitely is improving uh, the survival from cardiac arrest in communities um, and that is very closely monitored. Um, but we could always do it more and probably what's even more important is that people are aware of how to do CPR. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is the thing that, you know, even if it takes a while to get the defibrillator to you, if somebody isn't doing effective CPR, then even if your heart has restarted, your brain function will probably be permanently uh, damaged. But if you start good quality CPR, and anybody can do it, and the ambulance service will now coach people as soon as they put in a 999 call, they will be coached on how to do it. And that makes a huge difference then, because that keeps the brain alive while you wait for the, the external defibrillator to arrive. I can save somebody's life Okay, and uh, people can find out more information from your organisation, Cry. That's right, yeah. Okay. All right, listen, Deirdre, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. Deirdre Ward, consultant cardiologist with Cry Cardiac Risk in the Young. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Mary, listening to the piece that we did with the organisation CRY, which is to do with the young people in this uh, country and various forms of uh, cardiac arrest. Mary says, with regard to CPR, I think all young people should be taught how to administer CPR while in school then they would be prepared if there was an, a medical emergency, say, on a sports field or when they're out socialising. What a terrific idea. And I wonder, transition year students, wouldn't it be a great part of the TY year? I wonder, did, did, does, it probably does happen in some schools uh, during TY that they actually teach CPR. But yeah, a little bit like life-saving skills, you know, water safety skills. It's a, a fantastic tool to have in your box, isn't it, to be able to administer a CPR. So yeah, Mary, I think an absolute fantastic suggestion. Thank you for that. Okay, also coming on this just on vaccines. Uh, and we will be having a pharmacist uh, joining us in a couple of minutes just to talk about the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine through community uh, pharmacists. And I had mentioned about the efficiency of two doses of AstraZeneca and two doses of Pfizer with regard to the Delta strain. And it's showing to be quite high. I think it's 92% for the AstraZeneca when you've got your second dose and for Pfizer, 97%. Somebody said, I'm wondering what is the protection you have if you have the single Johnson and Johnson jab. That's from a West Cork listener. Well, in clinical trials, the Janssen, Johnson and Johnson vaccine came out at the uh, the efficacy was 67%, but that's in clinical trials. And in clinical trials and then real world trials, when it goes out into the community, it's always completely different. It's always, for example, much uh, higher. For example, AstraZeneca in the clinical trials came out at 62%, and yet in real world trials, 
when it's tested out in the community, it's at 92%. So I imagine the very same thing for the Janssen. If it was 67 when they were doing the clinical trials, it would be probably well up in the 90s as well. I just think that there isn't enough of the Janssen Janssen out there to give us the real world evidence. The, the two most popular jabs being used are the AstraZeneca and the Pfizer. And that's why they have so many of the real world trials. But I imagine if you probably check in with some sites in America because they've been using a lot of the single dose Johnson & Johnson you'll probably get figures there but certainly on clinical trials it was at 67% uh, so a very very efficient vaccine and remember no vaccine will stop you getting COVID-19 but what it does is if you're unlucky enough and you picked it up you're not going to be very sick you might not even know you, you have it you might not even have uh, symptoms but you certainly won't be sick you won't end up in the hospital and you won't die they're probably the most important things and that's the reason that we all get uh, vaccinated and then a lot of people still very upset and very annoyed about AstraZeneca and about the gap between the first dose of AstraZeneca and the second dose of AstraZeneca particularly with this Delta uh, variant and people you know saying speed it up and then other people are saying no I don't want a second AstraZeneca I want a different AstraZeneca but some of your thoughts in on uh, that Uh, uh, Patricia um Hi, if anything happens to my beloved parents while they're waiting on their second vaccine there will be uproar in this country with the over 60s. They'd better start getting their vaccines out fairly soon. It's distasteful giving the AstraZeneca to older people. Let's not forget Patricia, they are 69 if they are or between 60 and 69 if they were in their 40s they would be fine I'm fully vaccinated I can't go near my parents now I'm terrified uh, and they're not going out with the fear of it yeah and this, and your parents are not alone there's a number of people like that the only thing I can say to allay your parents fear is there's very little of the Delta strain in this country and hopefully that's the way it will remain and also we're hearing from so many other people now who are getting the dates for their second AstraZeneca and we now know that the real world studies are back when they get the second AstraZeneca shot they'll be 92% uh, protected so it's a really good vaccine and hopefully they will get that second shot sooner rather than later. Their, their big worry and concern is to do with the Delta strain because a month after you get your AstraZeneca you are protected from the other strains that are out there but it's just they're only 30% protected against the Indian one and that's the one that people are most concerned about but yes and you're not on your own so many other people are nervous and worried and anxious and then there are other people who don't want to get the second AstraZeneca for example here's the listener saying I'm 10 weeks post the first AstraZeneca vaccine it was given in a hospital setting as I'm medically vulnerable at the time I was delighted to get it and I still am grateful to my hospital that arranged for it but would take but I won't take a second shot. Uh, whichever organisation that approved this vaccine for use, they have a lot to answer for because the horses bolted. We're finding out about the possible serious consequences with blood clotting, etc. I'm responsible for my own health. Therefore, I have serious reservations about a second shot of the vaccine. I'm speaking, obviously, for myself, not for the wider community. And that's from a Kerry listener who I think is, is not on their own when they have concerns about the AstraZeneca. The only thing I would say, particularly when you site the clotting that is a very very tiny proportion and remember any of the ones who were unfortunate to have that clotting incident with AstraZeneca were in the main younger women it was women under the age of 30 and now because it's been identified as a very very small risk 
they know what to look out for and that's why you're not hearing so much about it uh, anymore uh, and you will need and do need to get your, your second dose and then so many people and I will put it to our pharmacist uh, when he joins me in a couple of minutes so many people summing up what Anne says Patricia could you ask the pharmacist uh, if you c- could be given Pfizer to somebody in their 60s after getting their first AstraZeneca I don't want AstraZeneca as my second dose Um but can't get anyone to tell me what happens if I refuse the AstraZeneca as a second. Could I hold out for the Pfizer? And just listening on the news, uh, Professor Kingston Mills, he's the immunology expert based at Trinity uh, College. He's saying that there's no reason why we can't mix and match the vaccines and he cites examples of Spain and Canada where they're already offering the mRNA, now the mRNA would be the Pfizer or Moderna that they're offering that as a second dose to people who got the first AstraZeneca and he can't understand why we're not doing that uh, here but I know that NIAC which is the National Immunisation Advisory Committee who are the ones responsible and who make the decision when it comes to vaccines in this country at the end of May they ruled out giving a different second vaccine to AstraZeneca patients. They said at the end of May that there wasn't at the time they said there was insufficient evidence to recommend a change now they are expected to give another update. They haven't given up. Uh, they haven't given another date on when they're expected to give another update. But certainly, when they made that decision back in May, that's over two weeks ago. In the last two weeks, there certainly has been a lot more evidence has come out about the added bonus of mixing and matching the vaccine. So whether they'll change their mind on it, but certainly at the moment, they haven't changed their mind on it. And if you got AstraZeneca first time round, then you're only going to be offered AstraZeneca the second time. But Anne, you're not on your own. There are other people who are nervous about getting a second one. But I think in the main, most people who are waiting on a second AstraZeneca is they want to get the second AstraZeneca. They want to get the full benefits of this vaccine. They want to have it so that then they can be 92% protected against particularly the Delta strain. And I was reading in the papers today, Anne Drury is a typical example. She's president of the Active Retirement uh, Ireland. She's a 67 year old. Now she has an underlying health condition in that she suffers from COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So she'd be at very, very high risk if she picked up uh, COVID-19. She got her first vaccine and she is just really concerned about this growing threat of the Indian variant. And she's sitting at home waiting for the call, waiting for the text to say, come in and get your second jab. And she said only at the weekend she was speaking to a friend of hers, a friend of hers who was only in her 40s, who was saying that the friend in her 40s is fully vaccinated because they had gotten both doses of Pfizer and are now fully deemed fully vaccinated and you know and she says here am I COPD I'm a 67 year old and I haven't got my second vaccine yet and she said this friend of mine is 20 years younger than me and you know I need to get my second jab so there is a lot of calls now to health experts and to politicians and politicians are calling for vaccines to be mixed and matched just to ensure that everybody is 
protect it. But there is this bit of a weight on for people with AstraZeneca and it is causing, certainly it is causing concern amongst a huge, huge number of uh, people. So you're, you're not on your own, those people who have been uh, texting us saying that they're just worried and just want to know either when they're going to get the AstraZeneca or if they, they you know, if they don't want it, is there a possibility that they could hold out and get the Pfizer instead? Uh, 1850 We've been told if a truck has broken down outside Turk, it's on the Mallow Road. I'm assuming that it's causing delays, so please be aware of that. And then we've had a couple of texts in from people to do with water outage, including one listener said, we've no water in Newtown in Charleville. Could you find out for us, please? When is it due to come back? And I can tell you we were on to Irish water. Where's that one gone? The repairs to a burst water main is causing traffic disruptions to Fremont Village, Dramine and Milford, Liscarilla and the surrounding areas and Irish water say that the water is going to be off. They're working on it. It'll be about five o'clock though before it is uh, back. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. General operatives are wanted. It's for a full-time position at Allied Profiles. That's in Quartertown. A home carer is wanted for an elderly lady with dementia. That's in the Bandon area. While an Arctic driver is wanted. Immediate start. That's in the North Cork area. And a playgroup manager slash leader is wanted for 22 and a half hours work per week in Reader Screener. Applicants must have a minimum of level six QQI qualification. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, community pharmacists will begin administering COVID-19 vaccines this week to talk us through how the programme will work. I'm joined from the Irish Pharmacy Union by Keith O'Horahan, uh, pharmacy First Plus and they're based in Grenade Tower, Glanmire and Onslow Gardens. Good morning to you Keith. Morning Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Have pharmacies been waiting for their chance to get involved in the vaccination rollout? With bated breath. We're <laughs> delighted to be involved. It's, it's been something we've been calling for from way in the beginning. Look since uh, Paddy's Day last year I, it was the first time I closed my pharmacy on Paddy's Day because we didn't know what to do with COVID. I still dispense prescriptions to people in emergencies. And from that time on, we've been out front and, and anything we can do to help. Thrilled to have vaccines starting to come into pharmacies. They haven't arrived yet to us, but they'll get there. I mean, they'll roll out this week. And um, anything we can do, patients are looking for them. And we've been doing flu vaccines for over 10 years. Uh, Shingles and pneumococcal vaccines. So we're well able and, and good to go. And, and genuinely know it, it, it's a great time for us to be another part in, in, in trying to defeat this, you know. Yeah, and I think that's the, the the key is you guys and gals are very experienced when it comes to vaccinations and people feel comfortable because particularly your regulars, people know you and trust you. Oh, completely. I mean, like... We did, I don't know, it's 2005, we did some market research and 88% of our patients are repeat uh, visitors within a week or a month. So that tells you a lot. It's a community pharmacy. We're local. It's local community. It's it's all in the title. You don't have to tell people what we do. They're into us. They, they generally come in 
uh, vaccines aside, just for our advice, our help. They may have had some advice from another healthcare professional, and they truly trust what we do. And, and even this year, the Behaviours and Attitudes National Study, we came out as the top um, healthcare professional it, um, that's trusted by the patients. Yeah, yeah. That's the first that time does, ever. So, like, I mean, look, we're there all the time. I, I, I work from half eight until eight, and I, I'm delighted to help anyone any way I can. And if vaccines know that they're coming into us slowly and they'll come with logistical problems and that'll be fine and we'll get over them. We've got over every other issue. God knows we're still here after thinking to know what was going to happen this time last March, you know. Um, so uh, we know that we can actually add another thing in to help um, with COVID. It, it will be great. Uh, it is a little limited at the moment. That's fine. It's to over 50s patients over the age of 50 and who have not had a vaccine yet. So it's the Janssen vaccine, or Johnson & Johnson, depends what you want to call it, but that's a single-dose shot. So you get one go, and that's you good to go for the, the foreseeable future. In fact, I'm actually at 12.24. I must be in the South Infirmary for my second COVID vaccine. So I'm delighted. It's a great day for me because it's my, my second vaccine coming today as well. So... And um, and what did you are you are you Pfizer or AstraZeneca? No, I, I I was AstraZeneca. I got my first dose on the twenty sixth of February, so I've been a long time waiting for, for my the second. second dose. Okay, um, but you know what? I couldn't bother being negative about anything. This is a positive thing. We're delighted. Anything that we can do, patients. I, I had a lady on a bank holiday Monday, a couple of bank holidays ago, and she phoned me and said, "I see you're doing the vaccine." I was like, "What are you on about?" I said, "It's on. It's online." I said, "No, no. It says we're not getting." It. Oh, she had her hip done. She had to go down to Parky Cueve. They're brilliant down there. Anyone who's gone down there, they've run a fabulous show down there and the South the same. And she said, actually, just with my hip would be so much easier to go into you. You see, that's, you know? what, that's what we're hearing from people who have had to, and particularly people across the county who've been travelling great distances yeah. to yeah. get to their, lo- and they listen, and they willingly went to the local vaccination Absolutely. centre, but yeah. they were driving past their pharmacy Those door, you know what I mean, yeah. to get to a yeah. vaccination centre. And the person they know well for years. Yeah. I mean, like I'm 20 years in, in, in pharmacy and, you know, I can't walk through the supermarket without chatting to people, let alone um, they've come into my pharmacy so you know we are in the community we're just part of it we're, we're not extra to the community we're you know and I'm training my kids on Saturday morning with other people's kids people are asking me and there, there's slight throwaway comments like if you have a spare vaccine remember me there's a lot of that okay yeah. and I, I was saying there to your researchers JP earlier that I got uh, WhatsApp voice messages yesterday I didn't know you could do such a thing uh, asking me you know um, could they get a vaccine and uh, emails, phone calls, the pharmacies are inundated with people. And again, it is for people who are over the age of 50 at the moment. That's the HSE criteria for um, vaccines to be released to community pharmacies for the moment. We'd like to see that obviously extended because, in fairness, a lot of people who are over the age of 50 have already received maybe even just their first vaccine, you know. Um, so as soon as we can and vaccinate more people, we'd be thrilled to do so. There will be some okay, pharmacies will have Pfizer in by the end of the month. But at the, at the moment, at the moment, it is only for people over the age of fifty. Over and the they, age of fifty, and yeah. we've had so many people this morning wondering they've had their first AstraZeneca. Yeah. Can they go and and go to the pharmacy no. for a second? You can't, no, and they're so already registered in the system, so it isn't. It it, it just it physically well, would be impossible for you to do it. Well, actually, you wouldn't. So, as I said, I got uh, Astra myself back in February, the 26th of February, and I've been waiting for my second dose, which I do get today. Now, in theory, 
from what you're saying, wouldn't they be better off waiting and getting one of the lads to administer my vaccine in our pharmacy? But no, I got Astra to begin with, so my second one must be Astra. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's the Janssen vaccine that's coming in to begin with into pharmacies, and that's what will be given to everyone over the age of 50. Now, there will be a little logistical issue with it in that each vial of it contains enough for five doses. So that's obviously five patients over the age of 50 who've not received a vaccine. And we will need one or two people because, look, this is life and everyone, you know, best will in the world, five are supposed to turn up within a three-hour period and we all know what will happen. Someone will get a puncture or a child will be sick and they won't be able to come. So we need a little contingency. So that's going to cause a little bit of a challenge for us. So what we'll do is try and uh, centralise the list of everyone who's interested and provide clinics accordingly. It could be up in Granada, it could be out in Tower, it could be down in Glanmire, it could be up in the north side of the city. doesn't matter. And I presume other pharmacies will do something similar. It's also important to point out, Keith, that not all pharmacies have been selected to take part. Well, in fairness, uh, the HSE sent out an email to everyone um, looking for us to express our interest in providing the service. And there's no obligation on anyone to provide any service. And they should only do so if they feel comfortable to do so. And there there may be reasons for it. So not every pharmacy has chosen to... um, to provide the vaccines. So at the moment, I think it's over 1,200 have expressed an interest and something like that will receive um, 50 doses of the uh, Janssen vaccine uh, this week. Now, there are another group who have been selected to uh, provide the Pfizer one. I think that's in another three or four weeks. I'm not entirely sure um, yet. Logistically, in fairness to the HSE, to try and sort all of this out in uh, what is a movable feast, I don't envy anybody in doing it. Um, So what I'd say to anyone is, look, just stick with it. You can phone your pharmacy and bombard them if you wish, but you can imagine the amount of phone calls that are coming in. Maybe keep an eye on their Facebook pages and their websites. We are restricted to over 50s at the moment. You can be sure if that were to change or if the vaccines were to change that the pharmacies through their own social media and other channels wouldn't be long telling you, you know. Um, So... um, And yes, it's great to see all the uh, enthusiasm that's out there. I'd say to people, just, you know, you may have to just be a little bit more patient. It's not easy. And one other thing I would say, if you do make a commitment to attend either a pharmacy or a mass vaccination centre, please attend it because there's nothing worse than a wasted dose. Than the no-shows, A wasted vaccine is just... And then there's a hassle trying to find someone to step in before the thing expires, you know? Yeah. Um, So I'd, I'd please, if you do have an intention to get it, please do go um, and, and follow through. And once you get the vaccine, you're not, you're not immune. Okay, so you still have to wear your mask and sanitise and, and all that goes with it. So it's great. It'll stop us getting seriously unwell. But there's no guarantees it will stop us contracting or spreading COVID in its own right. So, you know, it's not the end of it. It's the beginning of the next stage. Mm. And, and then as the, the winter period comes through, no doubt there'll be um, international evidences that there will be further doses required, probably much like the seasonal influenza vaccination. So the flu jab last year, now there were four vaccines inside in the single jab. So you can imagine that the COVID will, when it gets sorted, will actually end up in a seasonal um, 
uh, booster and and I imagine that's when pharmacies are really going to kick in Uh, people will be just getting used to going to their pharmacist once a year if it is a booster Patricia as I say I'm delighted to see people in the door of the pharmacy but to be perfectly honest I don't care where anyone gets their flu vaccine or where anyone gets their COVID as long as they get it because rising tides raise all boats and keeps us all safe that's that's it that's it and the one big advantage to the Janssen the Janssen Johnson one that the the pharmacies will be giving is, is it's just one shot for people with needle phobia, Keith. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's I'm one of those, one Patricia, if that's right, any good no to you. Way. Yeah, oh, geez, yeah, you've no doubt. Yeah, if my wife was here now, she'd say to you, just, just mind yourself. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, take a, take a glass of orange after. So, <laughs> I, for some reason, I'm not great at receiving, but I've no problem administering. I don't know what that means. But anyhow, so I wouldn't be one bit worried. In fairness to the needles, as time has evolved since when I was a, a small child going to get my tetanus jab, the needle seems to be getting a lot smaller tiny. and my arm seems to be getting a lot bigger. It's so, tiny, you uh, barely it, feel it. it barely feel it and and in fairness the, the, the nurse who administered mine in the south in February I actually had to ask her to have done yeah. so yeah. in fairness um, our, uh, we're all getting better at doing it and it's all getting smaller and easier so I, I completely understand so what I'd say to anyone is it, just take your time when you come into the pharmacy the pharmacist will spend plenty of time with you they'll go through whether you know all about the vaccine why it's a good idea to take it, any potential side effects. They'll also just make sure that you don't have any allergies to it. You you, you won't just walk in the door and all of a sudden be administered a vaccine. There'll be and and just take a moment. And as, as my my young daughter says, take a moment, take a breath, make a plan, and try your best. Right. All right. <laughs> you have a you wise can't daughter. do any better than that. You have a well, wise she's daughter. Only five and, she's an and somebody wants to know: Do you have to remain in the in the pharmacy for fifteen minutes after the dose? Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, we for 10 years we've been doing that for the flu vaccine anyway, so it is no different for... So anyone who has attended the pharmacy for the flu vaccine, except for maybe last winter, obviously, with COVID, or with COVID, people are asked to remain in their car. We'll go back to the way we used to the flu vaccines for the previous nine years. You'll be administered your vaccine. You'd be recommended to hang along for 15 minutes just in case you have any kind of reaction. We're perfectly trained to deal with it, so don't worry in the slightest. We're very competent and well-able and then when the 15 minutes is up, we can go. We, yeah, we'll sanitise away, sanitise away, and we'll invite the next person in in your in your state. Okay, well, listen. Uh, good luck with your your second uh, shot, very much. and the oh, best thanks, of Patricia, and the best of luck administering uh, the vaccines, uh, Keith. Thank you for that. Look forward to it. And thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us. Good morning thanks. to you. That is uh, Keith O'Horan of the Pharmacy First Plus uh, Group. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six to 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Texas says, Prisha, can you please compliment Keith O'Hirahan, the pharmacist you've just been speaking to, on his positive attitude? It's heartwarming compared to all the negativity we listen to every day about the vaccinations. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the vaccinations are such a good news story. And he was so positive. Well done, Thank you uh, for that text. Here's another positive one on vaccines. John in Blackpool. Patricia, I'm getting my second AstraZeneca vaccine uh, next Sunday in City Hall. I got my first one on the 23rd of April. So that's the eight weeks. Happy out I am, says John from Blackpool. Thank you for that, uh, John, to 0862103103. Now, according to my next guest, West Cork has the landscape, the resources and the people to become one of the premier destinations in Europe for eco and adventure tourism. To find out more, Matt Mills uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Matt. 
Morning, Patricia. Thanks now, for having me well, on. Well, you're very welcome. And it's not just Ireland, you say. You say it could be the top destination in Europe. Explain to us why you believe West Cork could be so perfect for eco and adventure holidays. Sure. I suppose it, it, it's not a, a new concept in the sense that I, I'm particularly talking about the, the three peninsulas, uh, Mizzen, Bear and Sheep's Head. I was on Sheep's Head, lived there for 15 years before. And we've been talking about it for quite a long time. I mean, we have the pristine environment. We have, we have, as you say, we have the um, we have the landscape, and we have an ability to deliver this kind of eco 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 adventure that other places in Europe don't have. I mean, other places have been more focused on uh, things like jet skis, you know, uh, carbon emitting experiences, where we we we're about getting people into nature and taking out the engine, taking out things that divide us from the experience that we're having. So you're kayaking straight onto the water, you're, 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 you're touching the seaweed, you're, you're seeing the, the night skies, you're hearing the birds, you're hearing the ocean. You're not, things are not interfering with that. I think that's the main thing, that we need to focus on sustainably developing our eco-adventure and tourism industry here on the Three Peninsulas and West Cork. And, and as you say, you certainly have the landscape for it. It's just, it's such a, a beautiful, beautiful part of not just the country, of the world. Indeed. I mean, we're, we're well known for our walking products. It's world class, from Sheep's Head, Sheep's Away, the Barraway. And now the walks have been delivered onto Mizzen. I think it's important now that we branch out and we, we do more with cycling, we do more with water sports. We, t- we talk about, you know, forest bathing has become a big thing. Wild swimming has become a thing, which but probably for you and I was just swimming in the sea. <laughs> we were kids. <laughs> People are paying big money for wild bathing these days. So it's about embracing that shift. And the reason people are asking for that is because they've become divorced from it. They've become divorced from nature. They're sat at home. They're sat on their screens. And, and they want to, you know, there's a big grow, if you like, to, 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 to get back into nature and experience that again. And COVID has only strengthened that, you know. People yeah, want I, clean environment. Yeah, and I, I think that is, you know, when we look back on this time and we look, we, we try to find the positives out of this pandemic, I think that's one, that is one of them, people getting back in touch with nature. Yes, and therefore back in touch with themselves. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that is a real, real positive. Outline what you have on offer in, in Goleen Harbour. Well, what we're planning, I mean, at the, at the moment, it's, it's been early days for us the last few years. We, at the moment, we have, uh, we have a small accommodation offering um, and we were, we've been running activities for the last two or three years up until this year. And, but this is another issue that we have uh, in order to um, actually deliver on these experiences is this insurance crisis we have in Ireland. At the moment, it catches have, everybody. Yeah, uh, we have no insurance at the moment. Um, I'm a member of, or we're a member of, the Irish Association of Adventure Tourism Companies, and we're having a group scheme put in place. But there are a lot of bigger operators, way bigger than me out there, who have just not been able to open this season at all because the insurers have pulled out of the market. So we need to keep the pressure on the government to drive through the insurance reform that's going through at the moment. But... Um, you know, it's not happening fast enough, but we've got to make sure it happens. And there seems to be an appetite now in, 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 you know, amongst the ministers in the government to actually put this through, which is great. That wasn't there before. So um, we're expecting to be open and be able to deliver activities and experiences again 
come July, but at the moment, like many others, we're not able to. You're right, you're on hold. And yeah. to, to describe, you've got these eco cabins. Yeah, you yeah, built, you so built what, them yourself. Yes, yeah, so what we're developing, I, I designed and built our first prototype a couple of years ago. Um, and that's built from sustainable materials as, in, as, lo- as local as we can get them. Um, we are going to have, so they, the current one sleeps five people because it has a little lofty space for kids. And my designs are very much about the light, the quality of light inside and the views. So they probably have more glazing than anything else you see on the market. Um, we will have two more of those in our development and two of a smaller design. Um, and then we will have three geodesic domes, if you're familiar with those. Tell me what they are. They would be, people might be familiar with um, Eden Project in the UK. They're, 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 they look a bit like igloos. They're tents. Yeah. But they look like kind of like igloos with um, big panoramic windows on the front, which will be looking out at um, the Fastnet Rock and oh. Cape Clear and the bay. Two of them are all just on the side of the harbour and the other one is around the corner a bit. And they will be on decks. Um, the cabins are going into our campsite field, so there'll be a 16-pitch campsite there with some pre-pitched bell tents. And then, of course, we'll have our facilities block um, and our social block. So really, what, and the important thing, I suppose, is you know our number one priority is biodiversity and the environment. I've been involved in sustainability uh, here for, for 15, 20 years. And one innovative thing we're doing is, we're, through a leader grant, we're putting in an anaerobic digester that will produce biogas from waste silage. Uh, most farms around the country, particularly in West Cork, you'll, you'll, you'll see waste silage lying around, which is a waste product. This will be turned into biogas to create the hot water for the site and give us a district heating system um, and pump the hot water into the showers all over the site. So um, we will be able to offer zero carbon holidays and uh, zero carbon weddings. I think there's a... A, a more, zero more carbon wedding? Yeah. Exactly. Whoa, that will appeal yeah. to people. Exactly. Yeah, I think zero carbon holidays are anyway. And there's, there's good research to show that particularly the long, younger market uh, will pay extra for low carbon products now. There's a, you know, yeah. there's a demand for slow travel. Yeah, there's, well, I think the younger generation are more concerned and worried because they, they need to be. They're the ones who are going to, they're inheriting the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with, with, with regards to the activities, what people want nowadays are experiences um, as opposed to just straight activities. So, for instance, uh, one of our kayaking experiences would be a, a, a um, moonlit paddle to a sheltered beach and then a cook-up of local seafood. You can be taught how to cook seafood on, on an open fire and a, a sleep out on the beach and a paddle back in the morning. So it's an immersive experience using local food, the environment, rather than just a kayaking trip out. And do you get any grants um, towards the cost of what you're hoping to set up, Matt? Yeah, we've, we've got two leader grants at the moment, um, one for the anaerobic digester and one for the wastewater treatment plant. Well done. And what we're focusing on now is we have just been passed for something called EIIS investment, which is um, income tax efficient. So, for instance, we... It's a chance for the people of West Cork to invest in a, a West Cork business. Uh, for every 10,000 that's invested, they immediately get 4,000 off their tax bill if they're paying 40% tax in the first year. So in a sense, it's only costing them 6,000. And they'd be buying 10,000 shares, and we would buy them back at 110 after five years. So 
effectively they're getting 150% back. That's a, good, that's a good, good investment offer for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's, it's crowdfunding in a sense. Yeah. So are you so you are you expecting to get bookings then and be up and running during the summer? During this oh, summer? We, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we've been running a, a few years now. We, um, we're, we're pretty much fully booked this summer. We have some explainability in our Harbour Garden Bell Tent. Um, but the eco cabin is fully booked, and we we're not doing more than that this year. Partly because, of, like you know, hospitality sector has a big staff shortage, so we want to be able to focus on what we've got and to service that well. And as I say, we'll we'll have our, uh, our things like that, like our archery tag, our, our kayaking experiences, and our bike hire on offer fairly shortly too. And uh, the. The idea of the Three Peninsulas being the eco-adventure playground of, of Europe is backed by Fortra Island. They have delivered a uh, destination experience development plan for the Three Peninsulas, and that's very much a theme that runs through it and throughout the whole wide Atlantic Way, really. Um, so I'm on the implementation group for that, and there's, there's, there's a lot of good things happening there, so watch this watch this space. You're a busy man. You're a busy man. And there's so many people staycationing again this year. And I think people are discovering what a beautiful country we live in and that you don't need to get in a plane and that you don't need to fly off to a sunny climb. You're absolutely right. I mean, last year we saw Irish people come into the site who wouldn't have come here before yeah, to stay yeah. with us. Some of which were so blown away that they they booked again straight away, even though they, they might have a second week away they were hoping abroad. Um, and some of which were you know, wanted immediately to know about investment opportunities. So it really was very, very beneficial, COVID, to us last year. OK, good to that again. We're always trying to find some kind of positives out of this pandemic. Listen, yeah. uh, Matt, we wish you the best of luck uh, going forward. And, and I think you're right. I, th- I think it will become one of the premier destinations in Europe for eco and adventure tourism. We wish you luck with it, Matt. And thanks, thanks. a million for joining us on the programme. Can I just mention, uh, so you'll find us Golding Harbour on Instagram, Facebook and goldingharbour.ie and we have a promotional video uh, on Vimeo. So okay. take a look at that. Goldingharbour.ie. Okay. Thanks for that, Matt. Thanks, Thanks for joining Thank us. Uh, bye bye. Uh, Matt Mills from Goldene Harbour. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Okay, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We'll take a look at calls and comments that are coming into the programme throughout the morning. And Joe Heffernan will join us. And he is looking at how the pandemic has amplified our anxieties. That and more afternoons at 12. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in. We were talking about defibrillators and CPR courses earlier with regard to Christian Eriksen and what happened to him and that shockwaves it sent around the world. And it's put a lot of focus now on that sudden adult death syndrome and for families who have a history of it to make sure that young people are getting screened for it. But it really, I think, what happened to Christian Eriksen, the way he collapsed and the way the team responded, and luckily he was in the right place at the right time because there was medical assistance available to him, doctors were available 
and then obviously they had a defibrillator and thankfully the outcome is looking good for Christian Eriksson even though there's still probably a question mark over where he the, the future of his footballing career as to even though he says he's he'll be back and he's still in hospital undergoing major tests obviously at the moment but he's alive and that is the main thing because his poor wife was in the audience watching the match and I know there was photographs taken of her as she watched her husband quite clearly very unwell on the side of the pitch it was just really really difficult uh, for her as well but Mags when we're talking about CPR uh, and someone had suggested that maybe schools should start doing CPR and that by the time young people leave secondary school that they'd all have the skills to be able to do CPR they'd be then able to use it if they were at a pitch side or you know during a match or they'd bring the skills with them wherever they would be and I thought that was a really really good suggestion Mag says I think it should be done country night not just in schools CPR and defibrillation courses I think should be offered to everyone but according to Mags it's a bit expensive otherwise I would love to do it I think it's a really vital tool to today says Mags and I've no idea of the cost involved in CPR courses and defibrillator courses I'm sure somebody listening might be able to tell us uh, are they very expensive according to Mags they are and if they are it's a pity I think there shouldn't be a cost factor if you have somebody like Mags who's willing to learn and would love to learn it you certainly shouldn't not you should not be doing it because there's a cost factor involved but as I say I've no idea of the cost involved in doing CPR basic CPR courses and are a defibrillator course 1850 We've been talking about the different vaccines and the uh, how effective they are. And in particular, a lot of the information that comes out is to do with AstraZeneca and is to do with Pfizer because they seem to be two of the more common vaccines that are being used all over the world and that's why there's so much detail and so much data available on them. So a couple of people are in uh, including Rose who says Patricia have you any figures on the Moderna? I'm after getting both of my Moderna jabs and somebody else says Patricia I never hear any mention of the Moderna vaccine because that is the one that I got. So I did a quick check while the news was on and I've gone to the European Medicines Agency on Moderna and the uh, efficacy for Moderna in the trial stage was really high 94.1 so it was up there Moderna is the same as the Pfizer it's an mRNA vaccine and they had very very high uh, efficacy and of course they're a new type of vaccine a lot of people a lot of scientists are now saying they're going to be the vaccines of the future we're all going to be all the vaccines from here on in are probably going to be based on the science that's been used for Pfizer and Moderna but a very very high uh, efficacy for Moderna and I don't know how many people got the Moderna jab it's not one that I come across certainly any, anyone that I know either got the Pfizer I know a lot of people who got the AstraZeneca and I know a handful of people who got the Johnson and uh, Johnson but Moderna is the other one yeah that has been used there just hasn't been as much Moderna in this country so it isn't one of the more common ones that has been used but it's re- as with all of the vaccines they're all really really good uh, vaccines somebody else says Patricia why can't we start giving Johnson & Johnson as a second dose to people with Ast- who got AstraZeneca. Uh, a lot of other countries are doing that. I think that's something that should be considered here. But as I mentioned earlier, we are waiting on NIAC. Their last briefing was at the end of May where they said at that stage that they weren't going to change the second dose of AstraZeneca. They said there was insufficient evidence. But I think if they go back to the drawing board on that one, there's a lot of evidence out now showing that you can mix and match the vaccine. So whether when NIAC give a, a, a second update on that, 
that might change but as of now uh, there's no mixing and matching. Now a couple of other issues into us. Sheila and Clan says Hi Patricia I have a question for you please. My health insurance is up for renewal on the 1st of July. I'm looking for quotes. I think there's a phone number for insurance quotations. Can you give me the advice please? I don't have a telephone number but what, what I do have and what we always point people to and we do a lot of interviews uh, with Dermot Good. He runs the company called Total Health Cover .ie. So if you go online to totalhealthcover.ie you can actually do the comparisons uh, yourself. Now they do offer a service at Total Health Cover so, but, but if, if you want them uh, to do the work for you but it's a fantastic site. It's a site that I use every year when it comes to the health insurance and to make comparisons on my health insurance at it's totalhealthcover.ie So that's where I would send you Sheila to take a look there but you are absolutely right and now is the time if your renewal is up on the 1st of July you have another two weeks get the work done put in the work put in the research and it'll save you money it's the same when it comes to your your car insurance or your house insurance and certainly on car insurance I've had, we've had two car insurances into the house uh, this year Hobbies was first and then mine was just earlier they, well it's not due up until the 1st of July but I did the work on it at the beginning of June when the quote uh, came in and on both car insurance policies on each of them I saved €300 Euro by taking a look at the price comparison websites it's so easy to do it now it's all there need to put the time into it but once you do but it doesn't even take that long it probably took a half an hour for both uh, just to sit down input all of the information and they'll come back with fantastic quotes and I got the exact same cover 300 euro cheaper the 300 euro is better in my bank than in the car insurance company's bank account instead. So so good luck with it, Sheila. And hopefully you'll get a good quote. Somebody says, could you tell me please, Patricia, when is bonfire night? Is it the 23rd or is it the 24th of June? Bonfire night is the 23rd of June. It's celebrated in Cork. Bonfire night or Bonna night, as it's known in Cork, is celebrated on the 23rd of June. And can I just say bonfire night? Am I right in saying that this is only a Cork city tradition. Certainly I had never heard of Bonfire Night when I lived in Tipperary. It was only when I when I came to Cork. And even then when I came to Cork, it was it seemed to be something that only happens in the city. I don't know if it doesn't maybe now maybe I'm wrong, maybe it does happen in, in the county as well. And I know somebody will say from an environmental point of view, Patricia, you shouldn't even be talking about Bonfire Night. But it's one of those things, it's like Halloween. You do, we can do all that we can to advise people not to hold bonfires. But if there's if there is a tradition in an area then you're guaranteed that that tradition is going to uh, continue but somebody looking for the actual night but it is June 23rd not the 24th and actually the history behind Bonfire Night the tradition is an old pagan Celtic celebration and it was to honour the goddess Anya and as with many pagan traditions the Catholic Church worked with the event and linked it to the birth of St John the Baptist and according to the Church John baptised Jesus, hence the name John the Baptist, and so brought the world out of darkness, hence the bonfire element. And that's the history behind it. There you go. History lesson open for today. But as I say, I think, now maybe maybe somebody will, will tell me I'm wrong, but I think it's only a Cork City tradition and I don't know if it's one of those traditions that's dying out or if it's still as popular as it always was. 1850 Can we help Joanna who has contacted us by email to patricia at c103.ie 
on a lost mobile phone. Hi guys, says Joanna. I lost my mobile phone while walking my dog near Derenagree in North Cork. On the Find My Mobile app, it showed up in the area, actually not far from my house. Then it showed up in the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Canturk and shortly afterwards it went dead. I'm hoping whoever found it might please hand it in to the Canturk Garda station. So if anybody heard of somebody finding a mobile phone around Derenigree in North Cork and who then paid a visit to the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Canturk. I don't know if they were in the church or outside the church or around the church but that's where it got picked up and they found a mobile phone which has since the battery has obviously died out or maybe the person switched it off. Could you hand it into Canturk Guard the station please uh, because Joanna would love to get her mobile phone back because it's just awful when you lose a mobile phone because of I know straight away I'm thinking if I lost my mobile phone it's because of all the photographs uh, that are on it it's one of those things that we, we keep meaning to get the photographs developed or get them backed up but if you didn't the thought of losing your mobile phone is uh, dreadful it's just awful so my heart goes out to you Joanne so hopefully we will be able to find your mobile phone for you now this was something that came in and it came in before I went on holidays so and my apologies we were just too busy and I didn't get around uh, to it but I, but I want to give a mention uh, to it because it shocked me I have to say when when I read this it, it's a grandmother writing to us to say Patricia my nine year old granddaughter has a beautiful golden tan once the summer arrives this along with the fact that her parents were not born in Ireland due to the family emigrating in the 1950s has led to some lads in her school tormenting her they call her the N-word. They call her black and tan and they've told her go back to where her family came from. Schools who have pupils with diverse cultures need to be aware as it's obvious that these children influenced by their peers or indeed their parents have no idea of the implications of their actions. It would be best for parents and staff to try and address racism while these children are still young. Isn't that just shocking? It's just shocking. And, you know, this is a little nine-year-old little girl who has a golden tanned skin that most of us, when the sun comes out, we're rushing out and stripping off to try to get that golden tanned complexion. And to think that now it's... The the granny says some of the lads, so do I take it it's only the boys in the school that are tormenting her? But to think that you would have other little boys or girls of nine plus using the N words, that dreadful, dreadful word and all that it, the connotations around that word and just how awful that word is uh, to people of colour. It's just, uh, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting to think that this little girl in a school here in Cork has to put up with that and to be tormented. And obviously these lads are doing it when they're out in the playground and, you know, you're assuming that a teacher isn't listening and isn't hearing what is going on. And I don't have any more detail of where the school is and I don't have any detail. I mean, I'm hoping that the parents of this little girl has gone into the school 
to let the school know what is uh, going on. But, but, you know, Granny is right. We need to start talking and address racism and we need to start doing it at a very early age. And, you know, if I was a parent of one of the children that, that were using those horrible words to that little girl, wouldn't you hate to think that a child of your own could utter such words to another little, a little girl? I mean... Where do they learn that kind of uh, behaviour? Is, you know, is that learnt at home? Where are they hearing that that word? Where are they hearing that that's okay to say that to another little girl who is, as Granny says, is she's she's tormented by these boys. And the fact that Granny is aware of it, she's obviously talking about it and is obviously very upset talking about what these lads are saying to her inside in the schoolyard. I'm I'm taking this not happening inside in the classroom. But that poor little girl, it's just it sickens me to the core of my being that that can be happening in the Cork uh, of today. It really is shocking. And there are so many children who come from all other gorgeous, diverse cultures and they bring with them such, you know, the, the beauty and the diversity from their own cultures and it brings they bring that with them into their little communities in the school and they're able to share that with their other other children it's just it's shocking it's it's shocking anyway if anybody has comments on that or would like to offer words of advice as to what granny can do to help her little nine year old little girl to make life a little bit easier love to hear from you 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. The Fun Bar Challenge. They're aiming to raise funds for the Clef Lip and Palette Association of Ireland. Fundraising continues up to the end of August with events including a 100k mountain trail run in Uzbekistan. There is a 30-hour two-day hike in Scotland and there's a team of 29 cycling a combined distance of 3,000 kilometres in Doha. You can support by donating. They have a GoFundMe page set up. It's gofundme.com forward slash the Fun Bar Challenge 2021. Local school girl Lewis, who has grown her hair for three years, is going to donate her hair on this Thursday to the Rapunzel Foundation and to raise funds for Cork Cancer Care. And donations can be made on gofundme.com forward slash Lois Hair for cancer for Cork Cancer Care. Can we wish Lois the very best of uh, luck? And Dara Community Centre and Dara National School are holding a smartphone quiz night. That's on this Thursday night from 9pm to 10.30pm. The quiz is easy to play and it'll run through Zoom and the smartphone speed quizzing live app. Registration is open on the Dara Community Centre or Dara National School Facebook page. Proceeds will go towards developing the children's garden at Dara National School. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And a couple of people on uh, reacting to the granny who contacted us about her little nine-year-old granddaughter who she describes as having beautiful golden tan once the summer arrives and some of the lads in in the school tormenting her calling her the N-word and black and tan and telling her go back to where her family came from. Just shocking. Uh, The girls in Drumahan says they're only jealous and it is so rude uh, how dare anyone speak to another child like that the cheek of them that poor little girl and someone else is saying what needs to be done there is the teacher needs to get involved Liam says the teacher should be responsible here also teachers should educate their children should educate the children in their classrooms on this at a very young age to rule out the possibility of this happening in the future and I think that's the exact point that the granny was making when she contacted us uh, because uh, she said would it not be best for parents and staff to try and address racism while these children are still young and yes that is the age to start is to explain to you know young children and hopefully them they learn at a young age and they'll carry that skill with them then for the rest of their lives and th- that they will never ever be uh, racist but yeah it truly is uh, shocking but a lot of people just wanting to send, send lots of love and support to that little girl and she's got a great granny that the granny's thinking about her and look, looking out for her and hopefully her family will surround her with the love that she needs and will be able to protect her from those just nasty, nasty boys but definitely get the school involved and let the school know what is going on you know, for fear that it's happening outside of the earshot of teachers which I'm assuming it is. I'm assuming that there is no teacher or no school would allow for that those kind of words to be used to be shouted at a little nine-year-old uh, little girl. 1850 I mentioned Bonfire Night happening on the 23rd and I was saying, is it me or is it just a Cork City tradition? Because it wasn't something I had heard about certainly before I moved uh, to Cork over 30 years ago. Somebody says, Patricia, you're wrong. Bonfires are common in West Cork also on the night of the 23rd. The tradition is that the fire should be located so that the wind carries the smoke over the potato field the tradition is it's supposed to ward off potato blight. There you go. I tell you, you're getting all the history lessons here for sure. Even though I know people are going to be saying don't encourage anyone to light a fire. It's bad for the uh, environment. And then Anne wants to know anybody else having a problem with their mail, their letters arriving on time? The reason Anne contacts us is she said I was supposed to have a hospital appointment. The mail was sent out. I should have received it last Friday. I still haven't received it up to today, Tuesday. It was lucky that I contacted the hospital because the appointment was for this morning. I'd have missed what was an important appointment and I still haven't received the letter yet. I, we're certainly getting mail here and it appears to be arriving on time. And I've sent mail and actually I have a sister whose birthday is on Saturday. So I might get the card into the post early to make sure. I don't know if we have next day delivery because the postal service have been so busy because of the pandemic. But it does seem strange if an appointment that was sent out in the hospital say you should have received it Friday. You would have expected that at least you would have received it on Monday, which would have given you short notice for an, for an appointment today, Tuesday. But that looks to me like that's been lost somehow in the post. Anybody else having a problem not receiving post on time? And because you haven't received the post on time, have you missed out on an appointment? 1850 333 103. And I just want to go to one more 
text that came in when we were talking about AstraZeneca. Somebody says, please don't call out my name, which is fine. I got my first shot of AstraZeneca on the 8th of May and at the moment I don't intend getting my second one. As a health issue suddenly manifested itself within two weeks of getting it and this health issue has persisted. I filled in a form with the HSE reporting it but as, as of yet they haven't responded to me. I feel my age group, the 60 to 69 year olds, were discriminated against as we were basically told we had no other option but to take AstraZeneca and now that age group appears to be given all of the options of a vaccine. I am presently in a complete limbo. Please don't call out my name. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Joe Heffern joining us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Now, we Uh, are going to talk today about how the whole pandemic and the whole COVID 19 situation has in many ways amplified anxieties and that part of our personality where you start to doubt things and you in particular talk about sort of like those those inner voices. Yeah. Yeah. We would have talked before at one stage about um, the, uh, the warrior, the critic, the perfectionist and, and the victim. Um. And I think the COVID-19 thing has amplified um, uh, those voices uh, that get us to worry, like, and and to be critical, and to be perfectionist, and maybe even to be victims. Um, the warrior, uh, you know... What if this goes on for long, long, long? What if the Delta variant um, gets uh, rampant in the country? 
what if the vaccine isn't uh, greatly effective against the uh, the Delta variant? These are these are, I think, logical worries. But what we have to try to do, and I am a victim of the warrior and the critic and the whole lot as much as anyone else. But what we have to try to do is challenge like the warrior. Um, for example, with the warrior, um, you know, is there any evidence now? Uh, we're nearly back to the data and the, the science. Um, is there any evidence that this will go on and on? Well, actually, if you think about it, the evidence is that it will not go on and on. I mean, uh, the figures recently of um, hospitalizations and people in ICU has um, hugely diminished. So, right, there actually is evidence that things are getting a little bit better. Um, so is it definitely true that um, that the vaccine might not be as um, effective against uh, the different variants? The science seems to be telling us that they are effective. We are hearing all right that... Um, that they're more effective, well, we would have known that after the second um, uh, jab. Mm. Fair enough. So maybe we can quieten the warrior a little bit, Patricia. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, whenever, and, you know, obviously every day we get texts and calls in from people and, and you can see that worry and, and people heard something and is this true? And I am a great believer in, research and researching something and checking out something. Now, you do have to be very careful on where you go to get your information. You know, just be very careful of, oh, I read it on Facebook. It must be true. And I mean, I have family members who I have argued at length with over the telephone because we haven't been meeting up as much because of the pandemic, but argued at length with them because they read something on Facebook and it's got to be true. And I'd be saying, no, well, if you want to check it out and I'd be sending links on to them or, you know, go to like the HSC go to very recognised websites where the the real scientific information is there and there's so much on the internet that you can find really good scientific information and arm yourself with that information and actually what it does then is it allays those fears, those worries. You know, what Absolutely. You are, I mean, the, the one at the moment is the AstraZeneca and people talking about, oh my God, the clots with the AstraZeneca. Now, my own daughter, who would be in the, as a special needs little girl, but she's in that age group where yeah. the people were getting the clots. So obviously I was thinking, all right, she's after getting this jab. I need to look into this. Is she going to be okay? And of course, when I looked at the science behind it, she was going to be okay. There was a very, very outside slim chance. I think it was, you know, was it four four in a million or something of her getting a clot and then I looked at well if I don't give her the vaccine she's at a much higher risk of picking up COVID and getting a clot and dying that way so I said no let's look at the science here and that's what you yeah. need to and that's what you need to do and, and, and with a lot of your worries and your concerns if you rationally just sit down and take a look and or go to the experts you know talk to your doctor talk to the people at the vaccination centres they'll allay your fears Absolutely couldn't agree more and, um, you know, uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff that comes across, now I'm on none of them, so I, I mean I've avoided it like the plague, which for a lot of people it is, the social media stuff. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, 
any any crackpot that that uh, that decides that um that that wants to throw in an an, an opinion um in any one of the um uh, social media platforms um you know uh, unless it's completely off the wall altogether is entitled um or is allowed whatever the word is um to uh, to put their opinion on there and uh, far from being scientific like a lot of it um, apparently is completely crackpot stuff yeah. so i couldn't agree with you more 100% that um if you're going to uh, uh, ask a few questions online will at least go to um yeah the likes of hse yeah, reputable reputable sources and yeah. get your information yeah. uh, and that should then for the warrior should in some way allay your fears but yeah. then you've got the the critic this is no, the person the critic then the like the warrior promotes anxiety whereas the critic promotes low self esteem and that would be like gee everyone else is handling this a lot better than me uh, other people are um you know they're 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 braver they're um they're out there and and uh, I mean uh, and here I am like you know scared so um uh, instead of knocking oneself to kind of be able to say to oneself um look I'm doing the best I can and I'm following my own way of coping and my way of coping is the way for me no that's not to say as we were saying last week that we should allow this uh, virus to dominate our lives. I mean, we do need to get back living. That's so, so important. We do need to get back living. But in a safe way. I mean, um, you know, uh, if, um, if I arrived somewhere and that it was jammed with people and, uh, like, not a mask in sight... I'd come home. Mm. Now, does that mean that I'm uh, giving in to the, the the whole fear thing? It does not. It means I'm being blooming sensible, and I'm entitled to be sensible, and I'm entitled to look after myself. But, um, uh, you know, uh, when, when, we, when we start to kind of berate ourselves that others are doing better, we're... we're you know, comparisons are not a good thing. Um, people have their own way of coping. Um, um, I mean, for example, the huge collections of people that we saw there um, uh, on the uh, on the telly and etc. Um, they're not braver. They're just more foolish. I mean. Um, we had the scenario in Cork where the Gardaí had to break up um, huge groups of people. Um, uh, we had the scenario in Dublin, um, uh, I think it was South Georgia Street, where, um, you know, in Cork, I think it was Anderson Key. I hope I'm not taking names in vain now. That's off the top of my head um, about locations. But, um, you know... Uh, if we're asking ourselves, like, I mean, am, am, I, am I not coping as well as others? The answer is, I'm coping as well as I can. 
we're all doing the best that we can and the best that we can has to be good enough for the time being. At the same time, we do need to stretch things a bit. Um, and it's if, a big, uh, there's a big, beautiful world out there. And for yeah. people, what, what's the figure now? I think a quarter of the population are, are fully vaccinated. And if you yeah. do fall into that category and you're fully vaccinated, that comes with it, a vaccine bonus in that you can meet up with other fully vaccinated people. You don't have to wear masks. You can be indoors uh, together, that you can get out and start to reconnect with people again and start to socialise, you know, in a small way, as you say, we're not talking about people going out to big crowded venues. Yeah. But there's there's lots to life out there. It doesn't always involve big crowds of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I was 75 last Friday. Happy birthday. And yeah, I'm being taken out to dinner by my better half. Brilliant. Um, uh, on the, um, uh, I think it's the fifth that the indoor dining starts up. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And... There would be maybe, I don't know, there might be some people who would love to do that, but would be a bit scared about doing it. And I would be saying, no, I mean, do kind of as it were, take yourself on. I mean, uh, a fellow said to me one time about 50 years ago, he was dead right. um, He said, if you want to find the enemy, Joe, look in the mirror. Mm. And... um, uh, and that was correct. Um, we have to take ourselves on because our warrior and our critic and our perfectionist and indeed the, the victim mode uh, can take over. And um, and we need to resist that. We we absolutely need to resist that. And as I say, like, I mean, look at the facts. Um, there is evidence there of improvement. There is evidence there that, um, that things are Getting, and things are getting better and it's not just even in this country it, you know it's it's right around the world but we're doing yeah. we're doing yeah. particularly well in this country and long long make long make because yeah. the, vic- the victim then is the one that will promote well, a state well, of depression the victim is the one that we want to kind of avoid yeah. the victim is like the kind of um uh, the victim leads to depression the victim like is or it will never end uh, i won't be able to handle it um, that, all that kind of negativity. We we really need to shut that fellow up. That that victim voice. That's a, that's a bad lad. Um, uh, but the, the more handleable ones, like the, the critic and the, the perfectionist, is very much um, a first cousin of the, of the critic. Um, you know, I should be stronger. Um, I must be braver. Um, uh, and again, like touching into the critic, um, I should be handling this better. Other people are doing much better um, uh, than I am. And again, we need to be gentle with ourselves and say, do you know what? I'm doing the best I can, provided that I am doing the best I can, provided that I'm not uh, failing to challenge myself a little. We talked the last week about... Um, uh, exposure response therapy in other words like in a nutshell facing your fears so maybe we need to stretch it a little bit um and uh, you know if we were if we were a bit anxious and it was stopping us from doing our bit of shopping to say come on i i can do this now it's safe i'll put on my mask uh, i will expect that others are doing likewise and if I arrive in some place and people are not following the guidelines, I'll walk back out and I'll go home. 
Well, I know, you know, I know the Gardaí were even issuing that advice last weekend when it came to the beaches. I mean, it was, you know, we had gorgeous weather and I could understand why people headed uh, to the beaches. But a lot of our beaches just got literally too busy and there was a lot of frayed tempers with people trying to exit and enter beaches and trying to get parking yeah. spaces. But the Gardaí were making that point. If you arrive at a beach and it's just too busy, just turn around, try and find a quieter beach or just come back yeah. on, on, on another day. I saw that and that there were cows kind of like more or less abandoned rather than parked and that kind of thing. Anthony says get out into nature. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's lots of ways. Yeah, it's it's for people to to re-engage. But it really is, what we're talking about here is changing the self-talk, changing that voice inside in your head. Yeah, yeah. And to realise like there's... um, uh, there are so many positive uh, aspects of ourselves and of the general um, situation, and we need to look at that. Do you remember when Barack Obama was here? He famously quoted, "Is fadling." Yeah. yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah. And um, and we need to to do that. We need to challenge ourselves just a little, not to be foolhardy, not to be crazy, but within reason. To, um, to begin re-engaging, Patricia, with our lives again. We badly, badly need to do that. Yeah, and just to remember, big, beautiful world out there and it's, we've got one life to lead. Let's, uh, let's try and lead the best one that we can. All right, good words of advice as always. Uh, Joe. once again, happy birthday. Joe Thank says you. happy birthday. Thank you for that. And yeah, Sheila that. says happy birthday. Love your singing, Joe. There you oh, go. Okay. There's one of your fans. <laughs> Happy birthday to you again and we'll chat next week, Joe. Thanks for that. Thank you. And Patricia. thanks for joining us. And Joe can be contacted on mobile 086 834 8145. That's 086 834 8145. On a mic and banter, listen to the story of the little nine year old who has been tormented by boys in her school because of the colour of her skin, a beautiful golden tanned skin. Uh, the Mike says, I didn't hear the full story about that little girl being so badly bullied, but I think a community guard should be involved and the teacher. I wouldn't let those brats get away with anything, says Mike and Bantry. That's where I leave you. Thanks to John Paul. Nick Richards with you next. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. C103 have teamed up with Sky Broadband because they are bringing lightning fast speeds up to one gigabyte to homes across Cork under the National Broadband Plan. Can you follow, can you follow my lead? Sky Broadband Ultra Fast will connect families to more of what they love by enabling them to simultaneously download, stream and share content without interruption. We got this rhythm. Can you follow my lead? For more info, click the link for Sky Broadband Ultra Fast on c103.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.